0: Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering chapter 27 of the teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. The title of the chapter is Adam and Eve. We're going to start off with quotes by Joseph Smith. Commencing with Adam, who was the first man, who is spoken of in Daniel as being The Ancient of Days, or in other words, the First and Oldest of All. The great grand grand progenitor of whom it is said in another place, he is Michael, because he was the First and the Father of All, not only by progeny, but the First to Hold the Spiritual Blessings to whom was made known the plan of the ordinances for the salvation of his posterity unto the end, and to whom Christ was first revealed, and through whom Christ has been revealed from heaven, and will continue to be revealed from henceforth. Adam holds the keys of the dispensation of the fullness of times. The dispensation of all the times have been and will be revealed through him from the beginning to Christ and from Christ to the end of of all dispensations that are to be revealed. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And that was Joseph Smith, History of the Church, Volume 4, page 207 and 208. So um, when he says in another place, it's said that he's Michael. Well, in Daniel chapter 7, it talks about the Ancient of Days and how he stands up from his throne in the last days. And then if you go to uh, Daniel chapter 12, it actually names the person, the Ancient of Days, when Michael stands up in the last days. It's the same imagery going on there. So Michael stands up from his throne, and he's the father of all living, but he's our father physically, but he's our father spiritually as well. And I've explained that in the past, how um, when Jesus Christ, when he paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he bought us with the price of his own blood, And that um, we become his spiritually, even though we're Adams physically. And then in Revelations, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Well, when Jesus Christ, he is the father of us spiritually, but on that new earth, he becomes an Adam in that world. And after this whole thing has gone its course, it's one eternal round, and the new earth is created, we have the opportunity, according to what God showed me personally, to put off our resurrection so that we might go into a new mortal probation to gain more experience so that we can attain unto a higher resurrection. That as long as we are in the resurrection that we attain unto for this life, that we are damned in that resurrection unless we're exalted. But God told me that the the great secret, and yes, I am a prophet, because God has revealed himself to me many times. The Father told me that the great secret is that when all is said and done, we do have the opportunity to put off the resurrection to go on that new earth with our Savior who will become our Adam and we become his physically so that we are his physically and spiritually and our Adam for this earth, whose name is Michael, on a previous earth was our Redeemer. And he paid for us with his atonement. And we became his spiritually because he bought us with the price of his own blood from the fall of that world. And when this new earth was created that we live on now, he became the Adam of this world and we became his physically after we became his spiritually. And the same thing, the same thing it is with Jehovah. Jehovah was a redeemer on an older earth, he paid for our sins and transgressions and the fall of that world on an older earth. We were resurrected in our own states of resurrection. A new earth was created where he became the Adam of that world and Michael became the Redeemer. When that world was finished and we were all resurrected, There was a new earth and Jehovah who was then an Elohim showed Michael how to create this earth. And Michael became the Adam of this earth. I think I skipped a step there. But what I'm trying to say is that Jehovah was a redeemer who became an Adam on our last earth. Michael was the redeemer of the last earth and he paid for our sins and he became an Adam for this earth and Jehovah became an Elohim and he showed him how to create an earth. Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach He is the Redeemer of this world And in that new earth that John sees in the book of Revelations it'll be Michael who will become an Elohim who will show Jesus how to create an earth, much the same way Jehovah showed Michael how to create an earth And Jesus will become the Adam of that world. And God the witness or the Holy Ghost will become a redeemer for that world. And when that world is finished, Jesus Christ will become an Elohim and he will show the one who is the Holy Ghost on this earth how to become a Michael or a uh, a redeemer or not a redeemer, a uh, an Adam for the next world. Anyway, continuing on Brigham Young, every world has had an Adam and an Eve. See their titles. See when when Michael and Ashura were finished with the world where Michael was the redeemer and Ashura was his wife they became an Adam and an Eve taking upon themselves the name of Adam Amen and Eve or I don't know why they changed her name but her name was Hava Hava so Michael became an Adam to honor God the Eternal Father And Ashura became a Hava, or an Eve, to honor God the Eternal Mother. Continuing on, well, every world has had an Adam and an Eve named so simply because the first man is always called Adam and the first woman, Eve. And the oldest son has always had the privilege of being ordained appointed and called to be the heir of the family if he does not rebel against the father. And he is the savior of the family. So who is he saying here? The oldest son is the son of Adam, the father. The only begotten, and, and so Seth and Cain and Abel, they were all children of, of Adam, in, as Adam was a telestial individual, but at the end of Adam's thousand years with his wife, he was translated. He did not die. He ascended to a terrestrial level of a being, and he waited until the redemption came. When Jesus was first resurrected, he appeared to his wife, Miriam, Miriam in the garden tomb, at the garden tomb. The Gentiles will call her Mary, his wife. They'll call her Mary Magdalene by which, by the way, the Catholic Church, in order to um, denigrate her holy name, uh, they they uh, lied about her and called her uh, a woman with seven deadly, or seven um, seven demons. It that's a lie. Mary Mary Magdalene was caught up to the seventh heaven. She is a holy woman. She is the wife of Yeshua or Jesus. That's why he went to her first. That's why she went to him to prepare the body for the tomb. That's why she tried to go in after because the duty of the wife to take care of her husband. And I won't get into the logistics of all that happened. And how hectic and crazy it was. Other than the fact that he was put to death on a Wednesday. Which at the time was the, the beginning of the week of unleavened bread. With the feast of Pesach or Passover. And that was on a Wednesday. They had to hurry up and put him in the tomb. Because Passover was the beginning of the high Sabbath of unleavened bread. Which was one day, Wednesday night to Thursday night. Friday morning, the markets opened and she had to go and find the ointments and stuff that was her duty to anoint his body at his burial. And that took her all day long. And she was not able to get to his body by the sundown on Friday, which would be the the beginning of the weekly Sabbath. So she had to wait Friday night Saturday night because it was the weekly Sabbath where she could not do the work of a wife to her deceased husband. Shortly after the sun had set and it was the end of the Sabbath day on Saturday night, which At that time, according to the Jewish understanding, was the beginning of the first day of the week, which started in the evening of the seventh day, which would have been Saturday. She went to his tomb while it was dark. At the end of the Sabbath, on what we would call Saturday evening. He was put to death on Wednesday around 3 p.m. and put in the tomb shortly before evening began on Wednesday. And he was in the tomb for an actual three days and three nights. He was resurrected Saturday evening on the first day of the week, according to the Jewish reckoning of days and times. When Mary went there to anoint his dead body, the angels at the tomb, who I uh, assume appeared as men, They said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. She was in shock. Could not understand what these individuals were telling her. She had assumed that his body had been stolen by grave robbers. The body of her husband. And she was weeping in the garden. And eventually Yeshua came to her, but she did not know that it was Jesus or Yeshua. And she says, where have they taken the body of my husband? And she thought that he was the gardener and he in his soft, gentle voice said Miriam in a voice that she understood to be Yeshua or Jesus and she turned herself and looked at him in delight and surprised she ran to him to hold him and he said hold me not for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father. Now who is he speaking of? Adam at the end of his life with his wife, Ashura or Eve or Hava. Michael with his wife, Ashura, as telestial beings waited to ascend back to a celestial resurrection, which could not be done until the fall was paid for, until the resurrection happened. And on the day of first fruits, which is the first day of the week after Passover, it's another one of those holy days. Our Redeemer first went to his wife, Mary, to comfort her. And he said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my father and to your father. That's Michael. And unto my L or my God and your God. That's Yehovah, who all over the Bible is called our Elohim. Yehovah, our Elohim. He is our God. Michael is our father. And Yeshua is our redeemer. And how do I know all of that? I first knew it because God showed it to me. And then later, he showed where Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and others talked about these things. Joseph Smith was the second witness that these things were from God. And God was the first witness to me that these things are true. That's how I know it. I don't know it by speculation, I don't know it because I'm smart or I have a high IQ. I know it because God takes the simple and weak things of this world and makes them strong in knowledge. And I, as one of the weak things of this world, was given knowledge by God, our Father, where he showed me these things and revealed these things to me personally. And later I was shown these things where Brigham Young had an idea of these things, but he was taught these things by Joseph Smith. Continuing on with Brigham Young, every world that has been created has been created upon the same principle, meaning an Elohim will take one who is or has been the Redeemer of a world and he will show him how to create a world. And then that Redeemer, who has now become an Adam, will Organize it or create it. Now, what's the difference between the creation of Adam, the creation of Jehovah, and the creation of Yeshua or Jesus? Because Jesus is still a creator, even though he hasn't created an earth yet. To create in the Hebrew tongue does not mean to speak into existence, nothing into something. It means to organize Jehovah organized the Godhead for this earth and took the Father for this earth, God the Creator, and brought him into this world and organized him in such a way that he would know how to create an earth for us to live on. God the Creator or the Father Organized the plants and animals that would come into this world to organize this earth for our habitation. Yeshua or Jesus in the premortal world, He organized the spirits that would come onto this earth. Organized and created are the same thing in the Hebrew tongue. So when it says that Yeshua created all, it's speaking of his organizing the spirits to come onto this earth. Michael, who is Adam, created or organized the animals and the plant light Life to prepare this earth to become our habitation. That's how he is also a creator or an organizer. And Jehovah, our Elohim, organized the first presidency for this earth under the direction of the Council of the Elohim, of of which Je- um, Yeshua or not Yeshua, um, Jehovah was one of them. And that was all done under the direction of God, the eternal. Brigham Young. They may vary in their varieties, yet the eternity is one. It is one eternal round. These are things that scarcely belong to the best of this congregation. Meaning, Brigham Young was trying to reveal something to them and he was saying basically that these things are scarcely understood by the best of this congregation. Continuing on, there are items of doctrine and principles in the bosom of eternity that the best of the Latter-day Saints are unworthy to receive if their visions of their minds were were open to look into the vast creations and gaze upon the power and the glory and the goodness and the exaltation of the gods or the Elohim they would exclaim woe is me I am undone i have i am of unclean lips and that's that's how isaiah felt when he was shown these things That's Brigham Young, October 8, 1854, General Conference Report, Church Archives. Also see The Essentials of Brigham Young, page 93. Continuing on with Brigham Young, if you look at things spiritually and then naturally and see how they appear together, you will understand that when you have the privilege of commencing the work that Adam commenced on this earth, you will have all your children come and report to you of their sayings and acts. And you will hold every son and every daughter of yours responsible when you get the privilege of being an atom on an earth. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 271. Many of the sisters grieve because they are not blessed with offspring. You will see the time when you will have millions of your children around you, and if you are faithful to your covenants, You will be the mothers of nations. Why? Because you're going to be an Eve, sisters. You're going to be the mother of a world, sisters. You men out there who receive your exaltation will be a father of a world. The same as Michael and Ashura became Adam and Eve, you and your wife will become an Adam and an Eve in the process of time. You will become Eves to Earths like this, and when you have assisted in peopling one Earth, there are millions of Earths still in the course of creation and when they have endured a thousand million times longer than this earth, it is only, as it were, the beginning of your creations. Be faithful, and if you are not blessed with children in this time, you will be hereafter. But I would not dare tell you all I know about these matters. That was Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, Page 208. And let me just say real quick. It is a carnal and foolish individual who thinks that there's going to be this thing called celestial sex. You have no idea what you're talking about when you try to add the carnality of being mortal with having children in the heavens. Spiritual children. That's not how it happens. How do I know that? Well, if you're a long-time listener of this program, you know that I've been shown these things as well. Because God foreordained me to be his witness. Weak, little old me... Some foolish truck driver. I don't even know why I deserve this, but he showed me all these things. And my job is to reveal these things to those who have ears to understand, to gather the remnant of God's people. For the redemption of Zion. I don't do the greatest job um, being consistent, like I wish I could. Uh, I'll break into a little bit of my personal life. On June 3rd of 2023, I started to get really sick on june 4th of 2023 i went to the emergency room because i could not breathe and my oxygen was right around 82 which it's that's pretty low they put me on um an oxygen um treatment and they put me on oxygen and they tested me for a whole bunch of stuff, including heart failure and all kinds of stuff. And it turns out that all my tests are awesome. <laughs> I'm very healthy. But I had the flu. The doctor the doctor said he's never seen the flu this late in the season. But sure enough, I have the flu. Which I think is kind of funny because all winter long, if you know what I do, I'm a truck driver. I drive over... Indian Pass, which is 9,114 feet over to the the basin near Roosevelt and Duchesne and Uinta counties, and I get crude oil and I bring it back over that pass and bring it back over to the rail yard in Wellington, Utah, southeast of Price, Utah, and that's what I do for work. I do that uh, two or three times a day, depending on everything. <laughs> And I chained up a lot over the winter time. I get soaking wet. I'm freezing cold. Like there were times when it was like 20 below zero, 15 below zero, and I work primarily. Um, I like to work from noon to mid, or noon to two in the morning, so 14 hour shifts. And so my second load was always at night in the winter time. When it was like 10, 15, 20 below zero out in the basin, I wasn't—I I mean, I had the sniffles and stuff—but like, I wasn't full-blown sick all winter long. Chaining up, doing, just dealing with all of the hardships of being an oil-filled truck driver that goes over this high mountain pass. I was fine all all the way up until June 3rd, which was when I started getting really sick. Now, I've been sick a little bit. Uh, about six weeks ago, I had bronchitis. But on June 3rd, I had the full-blown flu. And I was sick for... Well, for about five, six days. And then... Um, I have the residuals of the, the, the junk that's in my lungs uh, and in my system that I still, even right now, like, what is it, 12 days later, I'm still coughing up stuff. I'm still having some issues, but I'm not, like, sick, sick anymore, right? <laughs> anyway, but um, on June 8th, My wife took my daughter to Worlds, um, the Worlds Archery Championship in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, because my daughter placed with her team. She placed first in state, so they are, well, it wasn't first, it was first in regions. They were first in state, and then they were first in regions, um, or nationals. And then they were invited to go to the world championship. And um, my daughter, I think she said that she placed 14th for the elementary school division, which is pretty awesome. But uh, And her team placed like 20-something, I think. But um, the middle school that she'll be going into not next year, but the year after that, they were first in world the World Championships for middle school. So they have a really good program for archers, and my daughter loves it. So they competed on the 11th of June, and um, a couple of days later, they flew and they flew out of Las Vegas because it was $180 um, cheaper per ticket. So it it's like 300 and something miles down to Las Vegas from where we live. So she f- dro- drove down there and with my daughter and um, they were gonna get back pretty pretty early in the morning and my wife would be very tired. So I decided. That sense, Um it was technically my days off, even though I haven't worked for 12 days at this point, which means my paycheck is going to be it, it's going to hurt for a minute, but I'll, we'll be fine. But anyway, so I drove down, I got a room and I took my three year old son who turned four on the 11th and my eight year old daughter. And we drove down to Circus Circus and we went and played in the in the pool and the water slides and they got to see the Magic Axe and eat all the junk food and it was fun. And then on um, when my wife flew in, I met her uh, at a 7-Eleven <laughs> right next to right on the southeast side of the airport. So because she like was very stressed out about how she was supposed to find anything and like, and Vegas is next level driving. Like, Oh, I hate Vegas, but I used to live there and I know how to drive Vegas. Um, it's next level. Like I said, anyway, so, um, I showed her, I drove in front of her and, uh, we drove to the circus circus hotel and we stayed there. Um, the day before yesterday all day and we and i took my wife and um my 10 year old daughter uh to see the magic shows and the trapeze artists and the contortionists and the, we did the water slides and like we went off the strip up to north vegas close to where i used to live and we had dinner up there and by the way i lived there when i was a kid my aunt and uncle, my great aunt and uncle, um, who I had a, a relationship with because I was raised by my grandparents, they lived up there. And I remember when I was a kid, we would um, go out to where they lived and they didn't live in town. They lived out ways like Vegas was way over there when I was a kid and it just kept getting closer and closer. And, um, anyway, but, so that's what I've been doing the last 12 days. Uh, And then before that, so let's see, um, the third, and it worked like the third, the second, the first, and the last day of May. So like I haven't put out a program in a little while. It's been a little while. (laughs) But, so I was working, and then I got really sick for eight days, and then I had to go pick up my wife, and we went down to Vegas. So, like, I'm going back to work today. Today's the 15th of June. And, uh... I don't have to go back to work. I don't have to go to work until, or for like six hours, so I'm just sitting here at early in the morning before anyone wakes up recording this. So anyway, continuing on, but I expect if I am faithful with, or, but I expect if I am faithful with yourselves, that I shall see the time with yourselves, that we shall know how to prepare to organize an earth like this. See, that's what Michael did. Yehovah, our Elohim, showed Michael how to organize or create an earth. And then Michael did the work. It's in the temple endowment for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Know how to people an earth and know how to redeem it. How to sanctify it and how to glorify it with those who live upon it, who hearken to our counsel. See, Brigham Young knew this, that these people who, if they keep their covenants, are going to know how to redeem an earth because they're going to become a redeemer. If you're a male, if you're a female, you will become the wife of a redeemer how to sanctify it, how to glorify it with those who live upon it, who hearken to our counsels. The Father and the Son have attained to this point already, already. This is done through multiple mortal probations from world to world. Brigham Young says, I am on the way, and so are you, and every faithful servant of God after men who have got their exaltations and their crowns and have become gods even the sons of god or have become elohim even the sons of elohim and are made kings of kings and lords of lords they have the power then of propagating their species and spirit and that is the first of their operations with regard to organizing a world. Now, how does Jesus Christ propagate the species and spirit? He became a redeemer and he paid for our sins and we become his spiritually. But every spirit is born independently of of uh, a creator uh, of a mother to birth them according to what god has shown me the intelligence is eternal but when it becomes self-aware there is a flash of light and the intelligence the energies that, and the intelligence The masculine and the feminine energies, they separate, and you have the birth of a male and a female spirit. The male and the female spirit are kept together. They're soul twins or soul mates. Everybody has them, but there's a long process of things that actually can separate you from each other through personal choices, But, anyway. um, the, the, The newborn spirit of man and the newborn spirit of woman are taken. And at that time, they're orbs of light. They don't have the form of what we become. They're orbs of light. And they are given the opportunity to learn and to grow in the spirit world until they are ready to become spirits on an earth, a male or a female, or an animal, or a plant, but the animal and the plant life and the spirits that they hold will never become human continuing on with brigham young power is then given to them to organize the elements and commence the organization of tabernacles or bodies organization that's that's what it means to create how can they do it have they to go to that earth yes And Adam will have to go there, and he cannot do it without Eve. He must have an Eve to commence the work of generations. And they will go into the garden, the Garden of Eden, and continue to eat and drink of the fruit of that corporeal world, Until this grosser matter is diffused sufficiently through their celestial bodies to enable them, according to the established laws, to produce mortal tabernacles for them, for their spirit children, this is a key for you. It's a key of knowledge that he's giving you, which most of the modern church does not understand. Continuing on, the faithful will become gods, even the sons of God. But this does not overthrow the idea that we have a father. Adam is my father. This I will explain to you at some future time. But it does not prove that he is not my father if I become a god. It does not prove that I have not a father. And that's Brigham Young Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 274 and 275. And he was trying to introduce these things to the pioneer saints who had never heard of such concepts before. Who did not understand the immensity of space and time as we do now. And even though we we do understand it better than they, we don't understand it. We're like babes looking in looking at the moon, not understanding what we're seeing. Continuing on, one thing has remained a mystery in this kingdom up to this day. It is in regard to the character of the well-beloved Son of God and our God and Father in Heaven. When our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve one of his wives with him now let me just stop here he was already an exalted being when he came into the garden because he had paid for our sins and was the redeemer of an older earth and he became the father much the same way that jesus becomes our father Because he paid for our sins and the fall of this earth. Michael and one of his wives came into this earth after it was organized. Or after this this planet was placed here in this solar system and they went as celestial beings into the garden and there was a veil placed over their minds and they partook of the fruit of this world until the corporeal elements of this earth were infused in their exalted celestial bodies and they descended from, a t- uh, from an exalted celestial state to a terrestrial state, to a telestial state, and that is how they were able to become mortal again, not being born again, but also not dying again. After their time on this earth was done, they were, ex- they were brought back up levels of perfection to a telestial state, And there they remained until Michael, Adam, sired Yeshua, who was part telestial and part terrestrial. See, Jesus is the only begotten of Michael in his terrestrial state. And the reason that had to happen is so that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the sins and transgressions of the world were falling upon him, that would have tore him apart if he was not able to heal himself because of who that DNA that he had from his terrestrial father And he sealed it upon the cross and he broke the bands of death because of the DNA that his father gave him as a terrestrial being. So let's get back to this. When our father Adam or Michael came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He helped to make and organize this world. He is Michael, the Archangel, the Ancient of Days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our father and, and our God and the only God with whom we have to do that's because he's our Adam I could tell you much more about this but were I to tell you the whole truth blasphemy would be nothing to it in the estimation of the superstitious and overrighteous of mankind however I have told you the truth as far as I have gone Jesus our elder brother was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the garden of Eden who is our father in heaven he's talking about Michael Michael holds the first presidency of this earth he is God the creator or the father above him is Jehovah our Elohim the two witnesses or counselors for the first presidency of this earth are God the redeemer who is Yeshua who we call Jesus Christ or Jesus HaMashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach, which means the anointed one of God. He's the first witness or counselor of the father. And the second witness or counselor of the father is called God the witness. You call him the Holy Ghost. God the witness is his correct title. And he will become a Mashiach to Yosef and his brothers. Messiah ben Joseph is the incarnation of God, the witness on the earth. And he is the second witness or eyewitness of the father and the son. Continuing on with Brigham. Now let all who may hear these doctrines. Doctrines, not theories, not theories like the LDS Church wants you to believe. He spoke it from the pulpit. Brigham Young did, and he learned it from uh, from Joseph Smith. He was president of the church from 1846 until the end of his life in August of 1877, longer than any of the rest of any of the presidents at all the most time as president of the church even longer than Joseph Smith the modern day leaders prophet seers and revelators of the church will have you have you believe that brigham young was just teaching theories or he didn't even teach it at all like it depends on who you ask or when you ask as to what answer you're going to get. But they will also teach you that the president of the church can never lead the people astray. But then they say, Brigham Young led the people astray in the Adam God doctrine. From the lips of Brigham Young again, now let all who may hear these doctrines, not Theories, doctrines. Now, if the modern Mormon leaders tell you the president of the church can never lead you astray, and Brigham Young was president of the church from 1846 until 1877, and he taught these doctrines according to his own words, don't you dare call them a theory and if you are a leader in the church and you're excommunicating people who understand and know that these doctrines are true then your doctrine is damnation because you deserve the hell that you will receive in the judgment and if you've been excommunicated from the church for believing in these doctrines or even having a personal spiritual witness that these doctrines are true then rejoice this is the separation of the wheat from the tares now let all who may hear these doctrines pause before they make light of them Or treat them with indifference. For they will prove their salvation or damnation. I have given you a few leading items upon this subject. But a great deal more remains to be told. Treasure up these things in your hearts. Brigham Young Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 50 and 51. Continuing on with Brigham Young, I tell you, when you see your father in heaven, you will see Adam, for you will see your mother that bore your spirit, and you will see Mother Eve. Brigham Young October 8, 1854, General Conference Report, Church Archives. Also see The Essentials of Brigham Young, page 99. Brigham Young also stated, "Elohim looks round upon the eternity of the matter and said to his associates, who are they, the others of the Elohim and those that were that he pleased to call upon for" the time for his counselors to regard to the elements, worlds, planets, kingdoms and thrones said he, Yehovah, Michael see that eternal matter on all sides this way and that way. We have already created worlds upon worlds. Shall we create another world? Yes, Go and organize the elements yonder in space. Yehovah, Michael, go create a world and make it, organize it, form it, and then put upon it everything in all the variety that you have seen, seen, That you have been in the habit of being associated in other worlds of beasts, birds, fowls, fish, and every insect and creeping thing. And finally, the whole eternity of elements is full of life. Bring it together and make of it living creatures. Jehovah, Michael, go down. And do as, uh, well, let's see. Yehovah Michael goes down and does as he is told. What am I going, what I am now going to tell you will no doubt astonish the whole of you. When Jehovah Michael had created or organized the world and brought it from another kingdom, the beasts, fish, fowl, and insects and every tree and plant with which we are acquainted and thousands that we have never seen. When he had filled the earth with animal and vegetable life, Michael, who is Adam, goes down to to the new-made world, and there he stays. This is Brigham Young, October 8, 1844, spoken in General Conference, also in the Church Archives and in The Essentials of Brigham Young, page 94. Continuing on, if Jesus, Jesus should veil his glory and appear before you as a man and witness of himself as being in the image of his Father, would you believe that he was really Jesus Christ and that he told you the truth? And if you believed his words, would you not wonder exceedingly to hear that our Father in God is an organized being after the fashion of man's organization in every respect? Such, however, is the case. One of the prophets describes the father of us all, saying, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, etc. The prophet further says thousands Thousands minister unto him, and ten thousand times tens thousand stood before him. Again, and behold, one like unto the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Now, who is this Ancient of Days? You may answer this question at your pleasure. I have already told the people. Who's the Ancient of Days? Anyway, that comes from uh, Brigham Young Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 41 and 42. Is there in the heavens, uh, the heaven of heavens, a leader? Yes, and we cannot do without one. And that being the case, whoever, whoever this is, Whoever this is may be called God. Joseph said that Adam was our father and our God. And that's Brigham Young, Journal History, May 14, 1876, so a year and a couple months before he died. And it's also in the church archives. Brigham Young, while it is in all probability true that the Gospels were originally written in Aramaic, it is even more certain that the New Testament is based upon an Old Testament Hebraic culture and religion. And I just want to say that we know that there's many of the works of the New Testament or the B'Hadashah who were written in Hebrew first before they were written in Greek. The Greek translation was to the Gentiles, but the original was in Hebrew. And I don't think, I don't think Brigham Young knew that because these things were not known in his time. But there is plenty of evidence that these things were originally written in Hebrew, at least the Gospels. And uh, even the book of Acts. This being the case, it is most significant that in the Hebrew language, the word for man is Adam. Hence, in some odd 84 passages in the gospel, when Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, it can be quite literally taken as a claim on Jesus's part that he was the son of of Adam and that comes from the teachings of President Brigham Young volume 3 page 327 I think that was the one the teachings of President Brigham Young I think that was um, I think that was the church manual for the the priesthood and relief society teaching um And I think that was started in the early 2000s, and I can't remember the exact date, but I think that's what this book is referring to, although it does say Volume 3, and we didn't go through it for three years, so maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, it says, The Teachings of President Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 327, continuing on with Brigham Young. Adam is Michael, the archangel, and he is the father of Jesus Christ and is our God, and Joseph taught this principle. Brigham Young, December 16, 1867, as recorded in the Wilford Woodruff Journal. Continuing on, if I am not telling you the truth, please tell me the truth on this subject and let me know more than I do know. If it is hard for you to believe, if you wish to be Latter-day Saints, admit the fact as I stated, and do not contend against it. Try to believe it, because you will never become acquainted with our Father, never enjoy the blessings of His Spirit, never be prepared to enter into His presence until you most assuredly believe it therefore you had better try to believe this great mystery about god i do not marvel that the world i do not i'm sorry yeah it says i do not marvel that the world in it's clad the world is clad in mystery to them he is an unknown god they cannot tell where he dwells nor how he lives nor what kind of being he is in an appearance or character. They want to become acquainted with his character and attributes, but they know nothing of them. This is in consequence of the apostasy that is now in the world. They have departed from the knowledge of God, transgressed his laws, changed his ordinances, and broken the everlasting covenant, so that the whole earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Consequently is no mystery to use to us, sorry, that the world knoweth not God, but I would, but it would be a mystery to me. With what I know, I say that we cannot know anything of him. We are his children. Whether Adam is a personage that we should consider our Heavenly Father or not is considerable of a mystery to a good many. I do not care for one moment how this is. It is no matter whether we are in we are to consider him our god or whether his father or his grandfather now who is this Michael our god or his father that's Jehovah our Elohim or his grandfather meaning a father above Jehovah our Elohim for in either case we are we are of one species of one family, and Jesus Christ is all of our species. Now to the fact of the case. All the difference between Jesus Christ and any other man that ever lived on the earth from the days of Adam and until now is simply this. The Father, after he had once been in the flesh, and lived as we live, obtained his exaltation, attained to thrones, gained the ascendancy over the principalities and powers, and had the knowledge and power to create, to bring forth and organize the elements upon natural principles. This he did after his ascension or his glory or his eternity, and was actually classed with the gods, or the Elohim, with the beings who create, with those who have kept the celestial law while in the flesh, and again obtained their bodies. Then he was prepared to commence the work of creation, as the scriptures teach to you who are prepared to enter into the presence of the father and son what i am now telling you what i am now telling will eventually be no more strange than are the feelings of the person who returns to his father's house brethren and sisters and enjoys the society of his old associates after an absence of several years upon upon some distant island. Whether you receive these things or not, I tell you them in simplicity. I lay them before you like a child because they are perfectly simple. If you see and understand these things, it will be by the Spirit of God that you will see them, by no other spirit, no matter whether they are told to you like the thunderings of the Almighty or by simple conversation. If you enjoy the Spirit of the Lord, it will tell you whether they are right or not. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, Page 215 through 219. Continuing on. Some have grumbled because I believe our God to be so near to us as Father Adam. This is Brigham Young. There are many who know that doctrine to be true. Where was Michael in the creation of this earth? Did he have a mission to the earth? He did. Where was he? Where was he? In the Grand Council and performed the mission assigned him there. Now, if it should happen that we have to pay tribute to Father Adam. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of a problem here. Like oh I just need to stretch and walk around for a minute, but I want to finish this quote before I pause my uh, recording. What a humiliating circumstance it would be! Just wait till you pass Joseph Smith, and after Joseph lets you pass him, you will find Peter, and after you pass the apostles, many and many of the prophets, you will find Abraham. And he will say, I have the keys, and except you do thus, and so you cannot pass. And after a while, you come to Jesus. And when you are at length, when you at length meet Father Adam, how strange it will appear to your present notions. If we can pass Joseph and have him say, Here you have been more faithful, you have been more faithful, good boys. I hold the keys, I hold the keys of this dispensation, and I will let you pass, then we shall be very glad to see the white locks of Father Adam. But those are ideas which do not concern us at present. Although it is written in the Bible, this is eternal life to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Journal of Discourses, Volume 5, page 331 and 332. So, I'm going to take a break here. We're actually at 42% of the reading of this chapter, and we're at one hour and 14 minutes. And the next section is going to be on Parley Pratt and what he had to say about these things. So, I'll be back in a split second according to your notions, but I gotta like walk around and. I woke up at like six o'clock this morning and uh, and got ready to to try to put out uh, a podcast for today. So anyway, I'll be right back. All right, let's get on to this Parley Pat, Parley P Pratt section. Now, this next thing that I'm going to be reading. I think it's a vision that Parley P. Pratt had. Um, I just find it very interesting. Um, You know, it's interesting also. I actually, for all the reading I've done and all the reading I do, I don't like to read. (laughs) Um, But I've I've tried to overcome that because I am very and very interested, and I want to know, and that's why I've asked God so many times about so many different things, um, but uh, reading is not my favorite, and um, I kind of try to fall asleep whenever I'm reading, I'm like, oh. so anyway, one of the reasons why um, I got halfway decent a reading, um, out loud is because when I was younger and I hated reading, but I was taking college courses, I found that my mind would be more focused on what I was reading if I read it out loud. So that and God told me that I needed to practice reading. Um, back like 20 something years ago and he didn't tell me why but now I'm, you know, a podcaster and I I share these messages uh, over the the internet uh, so he knows the end from the beginning and he knew I'd be doing this and he also knew that I suck at reading out loud and, uh, yeah, so anyway Parley P. Pratt on entering this room a vast and extensive hall was open before me, which the walls of which were ver- which were white and ornamented with various figures which I did not understand. The midst of this hall was a vast throne of white and white as ivory, and ascended by seventy steps. So how does Parley know that there's seventy steps? I don't know. I don't know. When I went into the presence of the Father and I was in that room, I couldn't tell you what were on the walls because all I was focused on was the Father. (laughs) I wasn't looking at all of the beautiful uh, accoutrements of the room that I was standing in because all I could see in front of me was the light. And when I came into the glory of God and i saw the father face to face that's all i saw that's all i could see now i could look back into my mind's eye when i first entered the room and i could give you a brief description of its length and width and um, and some other things but but immediately as soon as i entered into that that room where the father was it was like entering into just overwhelming like pure holy spirit peace love like ineffable okay so that was the feeling without any visual um anything just the feeling which was completely overwhelming and when i entered into that room i saw a very bright light on the other end of the room and that was my main focus I wasn't looking at the furniture in the room other than when I went to speak with Jesus and we sat down on some uh, benches made of a, a marbled granite. Like, I noticed that. Like, this is after seeing the Father face to face. And like, I'm just sitting there talking with Jesus. Yeah, I noticed a couple of other things. But like, I don't know, Parley P. Pratt, he notices a lot. So this is really interesting. And and when I got to the 70 steps, I'm like, how would he notice that there was 70 steps? I I don't know. Maybe he was told. I don't know. Whatever. I don't think it matters, but I think maybe it does. Anyway, continuing on. And on either side of the throne and of the steps leading to it were these were there were seats rising above one above another. Huh? And this throne was seated, on this throne was seated an aged, variable-looking man. His hair was white with age, and his countenance beamed with intelligence and affection indescribable, as if he were the father of the kingdoms of the people over which he reigned. He was clad in robes of dazzling whiteness while a glorious crown rested upon his brow and a pillar of light above his head seemed to diffuse over the whole scene of a brilliance of glory and a grandeur indescribable. There was something in his countenance which seemed to indicate that he had passed long years of struggle and exertion in the achievement of some mighty revolution, and been a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But like the evening sun, after a day of clouds and tempest, he seemed to smile with a dignity of repose. In connection with this variable personage, sat two others scarcely less variable, venerable, and clad and crowned, in the same manner on the same seat below were 12 personages oh my gosh okay i didn't see all of this when i saw the father when he in 2013 or in 2003 but and i've never read this before so he's talking about a throne and there's two personages who are who are scarcely less venerable and they were clad and crowned in the same manner on the next seat below where the two okay, so what what it's interesting about this, okay. Now I haven't read this before, but when I saw the um, the council in two thousand and thirteen, I saw that um, our father, Michael, sat upon a throne, or actually he was standing in front of it, and there was God the Creator. Which, which is the Father, God the Redeemer, and God the Witness, the two counselors. And then below them, I saw that there was 12, uh, 12 persons, much of the same appearance and clad in the same manner with crowns upon their heads. So, and those 12 people that I saw before the Father, the Son, and the Witness were they were called mighty and strong ones. They were the council of the 12 who were mighty and strong. I was also told that the Father, God the Father, God the Redeemer, and God the Witness were also considered mighty and strong, which is just really interesting. Anyway, while their descending seats were filled with some thousands of noble and dignified persons, these are the noble and great ones, and I saw them too, all enrobed in white and crowned with authority and power and majesty as kings and presiding among the sons of God. You now behold, said the angel of the prairies, the grand council, or the grand presiding council, organized in wisdom and holding the keys of power to bear rule over all the earth in righteousness. I think I've read this before because I know I've read the council of the prayer or that Vision of the prairies. I can't remember reading this part though. Anyway, and of increase and glory and in- of their kingdoms shall there be no end. The ver- venerable council which you beheld enthroned in majesty and clad in ro- robes of white with crowns upon their heads is the order of the Ancient of Days, before whose august presence throne have been cast down and tyrants have ceased to rule. Anyway, that was the Angel of the Prairies, uh, Parley P. Pratt, uh, pages 13, 14, and 24. On January 1st, 1844, the previous account of Elder Pratt's experience was read in in Nauvoo in the Council of the Church in the presence of the Prophet Joseph Smith. Interesting. So that was... That's interesting because, like, I don't know about all the first stuff. I didn't see all of that. And I didn't go into a building where I saw them enthroned. I when in 2000 so in January 2013 God says um, our father Michael came to me and he said kneel down before me and ask me who you are and up to this point like I knew that I had seen the father and the son face to face and I marvelled that I was able to even to embrace them and I was like why is it that I have had these experiences but like Joseph Smith didn't have these experiences, and I don't know any of anybody else, like, in history where it talks about any of the kind of stuff that I've been able to, like, experience firsthand, face-to-face, in the flesh. Like, and I'm like, why is this? And so, like, the father, Michael, he comes to me, and he says, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I was like, father, who am I? And he took me up in the spirit, and he showed me a vision of the past. And I saw this grand council, which did not appear to be in some kind of building. I mean, okay, so, under the direction, this is what I was taught, under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim is God the Creator, who is the Father, who is Michael Adam. God the Redeemer, who is Yeshua or Jesus, and God the Witness. And I saw 12 standing in front of them, and God, Jesus, or not Jesus, uh, Michael told me that they were mighty and strong before the Lord of the whole earth, who he is. And he, uh, he revealed to me who these people would be when they went on the earth and the prophets that they became. But and he told me about their dispensations and stuff like that. But then I saw the noble and great ones, and there were a ton of them. Like I don't even know how to describe. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at it in my mind's eye. what I was shown there were so many of them and then there was a rebellion and I saw that as well and I saw how there was a division among the mighty and strong ones that the one who was known as the bearer of light and truth or God the witness, he fell and he, after he rebelled and he became Hasaton, and his title, which meant bearer of light and truth, that his title was stripped from him. And I was chosen from among the ones mighty and strong, to take his place as the second counselor or witness of the father, even the witness of the father and the son. But I did not see this happen in a building um, in the in the same manner. Um that Parley P Pratt saw it. It was more like in space, I guess, with platforms. continuing on Orson Pratt Now how are the angels of God after the resurrection According to the revelations which God has given there are different classes of angels Some angels are gods or some angels are archangels or the Elohim See we're all angels or messengers of Jehovah are not Jehovah of God the eternal father So, Michael being an archangel, he's an exalted one. Um, Jehovah was an archangel. He's now an Elohim, but he's still a messenger of the eternal. Some angels are gods and still possess the lower office called angels. Adam is called an archangel, and yet he is a god, interesting, interesting, isn't it? That's um, that's Orson Pratt, Journal of Discourses, volume 13, page 187. Wilfred Woodruff stated, and this in the first place, I will say that the prophet Joseph taught us that Father Adam was the first man on the earth to whom God gave the keys. Of the everlasting priesthood. He held the keys of the presidency and was the first man who did did hold them. Noah stood next to him. These keys were given to Noah, he being the father of all living in his day, uh, as Adam was in his day. These two men were the first to receive the priesthood in the eternal worlds before the worlds were formed they were the first to receive the everlasting priesthood or presidents on the earth father adam stands at the head so far as this world is concerned Of course, Jesus Christ is the great high priest of the salvation of the human family, but Adam holds those keys in the world today. He will hold them to the endless ages of eternity, and knowing every man who has ever held or will ever hold the keys of president, the presidency of the kingdom of God from that day until the scene is wound up, will have to stand before Father Adam and give an account of the keys of that priesthood as we all will have to give an account unto the Lord of the principles that we have received when our work is done in the flesh. And that was... Um, Was recorded in Deseret Weekly News, volume 38, page 389, and that was Wilfred Woodruff who said that. This is also Wilfred Woodruff. Before I sit down, I want to tell I want to say a word to the elders of Israel on another subject. I am called an old man. I guess I am. I was thinking just now and speaking of the apostles and prophets that were with Joseph Smith when he made the last speech I am I am the only man living that was with him at that time the rest are today in the spirit world how much longer I shall talk to this people I do not know but I want to say this to all Israel. Cease troubling yourselves about who God is, who Adam is, who Christ is, who Jehovah is, and for heaven's sake let these things alone. Why trouble yourselves about these things? God has revealed himself, and when the the 121st section of the Doctrine and Covenants is fulfilled, Whether there be one God or many gods, they will be revealed to the children of men as well as all thrones and dominions, principalities, and powers. Then why trouble yourselves about these things? God is God. Christ is Christ. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost. That should be enough for you to make, to make, I'm sorry, that should be enough for you and me to know. If we want to know any more, wait till we get where God is in person. I say this because we are troubled about every little while with inquiries from elders anxious to know who God is, who Christ is, and who Adam is. I say to the elders of Israel, stop this. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Seek for light and truth and for knowledge of the common things of the kingdom of of God. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. The sons of God is the same. He is the savior of the world. He is our advocate with the Father. We have had letters after letters from elders abroad wanting to know concerning these things, Adam is the first man. He was placed in the Garden of Eden and is our great progenitor. God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Ghost are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That should be sufficient for us to know. And that's Wilfred Woodruff, as recorded by the Brian H. Stoy Collected Discourses, five volumes, Burbank, California, and Woodland Hills, Utah, BHS Publishing, 1987 through 1992, volume four, page 292. All right. All right, the next person that we're going to be reading is B.H. Roberts. B.H. Roberts, or Brigham Heber Roberts, stated, and he was the president of the Seventy back in the 20s and 30s, and I don't remember. Anyway, B.H. Roberts. It is generally supposed that Brigham Young was the author of the doctrine which places Adam as the patriarchal head of the human race, and ascribes to him the dignity of future presidency over this earth and its inhabitants, when the work of redemption shall have been com- will, will have been completed. Those who read the prophet's treatise on the priesthood in the text above will have their opinions corrected upon this subject, for clearly it is the word of the Lord through the prophet Joseph Smith which established that doctrine. The utterances of President Brigham Young but repeated and expounded the doctrine which the prophet Joseph Smith here sets forth. That was uh, Brigham Huber Roberts or B.H. Roberts. And that can be found in the history of the church, volume three. Page 388. So, Brigham Young got the doctrine from Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith taught Brigham Young the doctrine. It didn't originate with Brigham Young. It didn't originate with Joseph Smith, but he was the first one in this dispensation who was revealed these important truths. All right, another quote from B.H. Roberts. Some of the sectarian ministers are saying that we Mormons are ashamed of the doctrine announced by President Brigham Young to the effect that Adam will thus be the god of this world. No, friends, it is not that we are ashamed of that doctrine. If you see any change come over our countenances when this doctrine is named it is surprise astonishment that any one of the any one at all capable of grasping the largeness and extent of the universe the grandeur of existence and the possibilities in man for growth for purpose should be so lean of intellect should have such a pauc- paucity of understanding as to call into question at all this is what our change this is what our change of countenance means not shame for the doctrine of Brigham Young not shame for the doctrine that Brigham Young taught and i think that he was right on the cusp of the church just completely being ashamed of the Adam God doctrine because the church seems to be falling headlong over itself to become popular with the world and they have to shed the deeper doctrines of the restoration in order to do that because they are more concerned with power and prestige than they are in standing up for the truth as restored by the prophet Joseph Smith. They have, um, they're apostate. The leaders have become the terrors of the field. And the wheat are being separated and cast off from the wickedness within. Jesus in section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants doesn't say he's going to set the church of God in order. He says, Behold, I will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power, clothed with light for a covering, to set the house, the house of God in order, which implies that it would become out of order. Anyway, that's uh, the Mormon Doctrine of Deity, which was written by B.H. Roberts, page 42 and 43. Okay, so the next person that we're going to be reading is Eliza R. Snow was the sister of um, Erastus Snow, who was an apostle in the early church. Eliza R. Snow was also uh, supposedly one of Joseph Smith's wives, uh, plural wives. Um, We do know that she was eventually Brigham Young's wife as well. But she's got a lot of really interesting things to say. So she was also the second um, leader in the Relief Society, I think. I think Emma was the first and she was the second. Anyway, these are the sons and daughters of Adam, the Ancient of Days, the father and God of the whole human family. These are the sons and daughters of Michael, who is Adam, The father of the spirits of all our race. The father of the spirits, not just the physical, but the spirits of all our race. These are the sons and daughters of Eve, the mother of a world. What a practical Unitarianism is this the christ is not dragged from his heavenly estate to be mere mortal but mortals are lifted up to be his, to his celestial plane he is still the god man but he is one among many brethren who are also god men Moreover, Jesus is one of a grand order of saviors. See, Jesus is not the only savior. This whole idea of the universal atonement, that is a lie created and spun out of whole cloth by Talmadge. Talmadge introduced or he solidified that false doctrine in the restoration. It was not part of the restoration in the beginning. Jesus is, and and Eliza Snow is before all of this apostasy happened. So that's why we go back to these people. Jesus is one of the grand, a grand order of saviors, meaning Jesus is not the only savior. He's not the only redeemer. The grand order is a number that is innumerable because of all the worlds that have fallen by design and needed to be redeemed by design. Continuing on with Eliza Arsnow, every world has its distinctive savior and every dispensation, it's Christ. It's anointed one. So Adam Michael is the anointed of Jehovah our Elohim. He is a Christ in the sense that he is a an anointed one, but he was also a redeemer in an older world and was a Messiah ben Judah. And in an older world than that, he was a Messiah ben Joseph when he was a redeemer. There are three grand dispensations in this world's history. In the telestial history of this earth, there are three grand dispensations. The dispensation of the morning star. Michael Adam is the head of that dispensation and he is... The morning star. Within that dispensation, there are dispensations. But the next major dispensation is the dispensation of the bright and morning star. And John the Baptist prepared the way for that dispensation to come forth. And he was mighty and strong. And Yeshua is the bright and morning star, and it is his dispensation. The dispensation of the evening star started with Joseph Smith, who laid the way, he laid the foundation for the redemption of Zion, much like John the Baptist did. God the witness come in the flesh is the evening star he comes in the evening of the history of the celestial earth and there are dispensations within dispensations there as well when Zion is redeemed when... Michael the Archangel, the ancient of days, descends with the church of the firstborn and Zion from above. and they a council of Adam and on Diamond. And, and one like unto the Son of Man comes out of the clouds after the redemption hap- or after Zion comes down to the earth, there is the witness one like unto the Son of Man. And then Jesus Christ comes from the clouds, not the mountains, not Mount Zion, not... Um, I can't remember what the mountain's called right now, but but Jesus Christ comes and he goes to Adam and Yaman. And every prophet from every dispensation surrenders his keys to the Ancient of Days. They still have those keys, even in death. Joseph Smith has those keys, even in death. Peter, James, and John have those keys, even in death. Elisha, and Noah, and Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah have those keys, even in death. They surrender him at Adam and on Dayaman, and they give him back to the first presidency of this earth who is Michael and Michael delivers them to Yeshua because Yeshua becomes our father spiritually and he is being prepared to become an Adam. He's called the new Adam. That's not coincidental. He is being prepared. He is given all of the keys, the whole whole thing. He is prepared to become an Adam. And then when this earth becomes part of the shamayim or the heavens, a new earth will be created and Jesus will be the Adam to that world. Anyway, that quote um, that I was reading before by Eliza R. Snow is in Woman of Mormondom, pages 191 and 192. Continuing on with Eliza R. Snow, Eve, immortal Eve, came down to Earth to become the mother of a race. How does she become the mother of a world? of mortals except by herself again becoming mortal? How become mortals only by transgressing the laws of immortality? How only by eating of the forbidden fruit, by partaking of the elements of a mortal earth in which the seed of death was everywhere, scattered? Eve then came down to be the mother of a world, a glorious mother capable of dying at the very beginning to give life to her offspring that through mortality the eternal life of gods might be given to her sons and daughters. Did women hesitate a moment then? Did motherhood refuse the cup for her own sake? Or did she with infinite love take it and drink for her children's sake. The mother had plunged down from the pinnacle of her celestial throne to earth to taste of death that her children might have everlasting life. A goddess came down from her mansions of glory to bring the spirits of her children down after her in their myriads of branches and their hundreds of generations. She was again a mortal mother now. Eve stands then, first the godmother. Eliza R. Snow, Women of Mormondom, page 197-200. The next one is a poem by Eliza R. Snow. It's called The Ultimatum of Human Life. Remember, whether or not she was Joseph Smith's wife or Brigham Young's wife um, or whatever, she was the second president of the Relief Society, which was meant to be an order of matriarchal priestesses. Yeah, there is a priesthood of women. Anyway, this is um, Eliza Snow. Adam, your God, like you on earth, has been subject to the sorrows in the world of sin through long gradations to our heroes to be clothed with the Godhood's might and majesty, and what to him in are his prov- are probative sphere, and what to him in his probative sphere, whether a bishop, deacon, priest, or seer, whatever his offices and callings were, he magnified them with assiduous care. By his obedience, he obtained the place of God and father of this human race. Obedience will the same bright garland weave as it has done for your great Mother Eve. For all her daughters on the earth who will, who will all my, my requirements sacredly fill. And what to Eve... Though in her mortal life, she'd been the first, the tenth, or the fiftieth wife. What did she care when her lowest state, in her lowest state, whether by fools considered small or great, t'was all the same with her, she'd prove her worth. She's now the goddess and queen of the earth. Life's ultimatum unto those that live as saints of God and all my powers received is still the onward upward course to treat, to stand as Adam and as Eve, the head of an an inheritance, a new formed earth, and to their spirit race give mortal birth. Give them experience in a world like this then lead them forth to everlasting bliss crowned with salvation and eternal joy where full full perfection dwells without alloy That was a poem of Eliza R. Snow, and it could be found in Poems of Eliza R. Snow, Volume 2, page 8 and 9, also Eliza R. Snow and The Immortal, page 188 and 189. The professor, Hugh Nibley, stated, as Goyan shows, the document is really really memphite, as the prominence of autumn and Far makes clear indeed in the Memphite theology, autumn and Fa'ar, the ancient. the, the um, And that's Hume Nibley, the message of Joseph Smith, Papyra, and ancient endowment. Um, Salt Lake City Bookcraft, 1975, pages 131 and 132. I don't know what that has to do with this, but maybe you know I don't. Anyway, by the way, everything that I'm reading today, you can go ahead and read, uh, and the link will be in the descri- description of the podcast. So if you'd like to read along, or you'd like to read without my commentary, that link will be there. Oh, excuse me. All right, Hugh Nibley. In the beginning, we are told all the gods assembled in the present of for R, Ptar, I guess, or Ta, maybe the P is silent. I don't know. Who made a division between Horus and Seth and forbade them to quarrel, each giving his assigned portion. Then, then for some reason, he decided that his firstborn Horus should be his in- unique heir. Um, heir. And solemnly announced to the assembled gods, pointing to Horus, "I have chosen thee to be the first, the alone. My inheritance shall be to his, to this my, my heir, the son of my son, the firstborn, opener of the ways, a son born on the birthday of." That is, on the new new day, the day of creation, thus instead of being two portions, they were both united under Horus, while the controversy of Seth was patched up for the duration of the festival. (laughs) The entire entire middle portion of the Shah Bako text is obliterated, but from countless of other Egyptian sources, we know that the conflict between Horus and Seth never ceased on this earth. The combat and victory of Horus being ritually repeated at every coronation. Okay. Okay. Wow, we're at 76%. I'm kind of struggle, struggling to get through this, and we're at two hours now, so this is going to be a three-hour-long podcast. After Rites dealing with the baptism, resurrection, and the building of the temple at Memphis, the text breaks off completely to resume with a catalog of Taz. I'm going to call them Taz because maybe the P is silent. I don't know. Um, Taz titles... As he who sitteth upon the great throne, Heavenly Father who begot Atom, Heavenly Mother who bore Atom, the Great One, the mind and mirth, or the heart and tongue of the Council of the Gods. Ugh. Uh of the council of the gods the Na'anidin, i guess in the hearts of pa'a or i'm sorry ta was conceived from the image form or likeness of atum on the tongue by the word was the image of atum great and mighty is ta through whose mind and words and word all the spirits were brought forth and through the mind and word of God, all, all physical members were invested with power according to the doctrine that he is as that which is every everybody and in every mouth every God every human, every animal, of every creeping thing, of whatsoever possessed life, for what's, whatever is thought and whatever is uttered is according to his will. The counsel of the gods brought forth the seeing of the eyes, the hearing of the ears, the breathing of the nose, that these might convey information to to the heart, which in turn became aware of things to which awareness the tongue gives expression giving utterance to the mind in such a way were all were all the gods brought forth the king representing osiris who is the dead king his own pre- predecessor goes through the sect of secret gate in the splendor of the Lord's eternity, in the footsteps of Ra, of the great throne, to enter the courts on high and become united with the gods and and with Ta, the Ancient of Days. Oh man, this is hard to read. In the concluding scene, the earthly king public, p- publicly embraces his son and heir, declaring and calling and succession, even as the God did in the beginning. And that's Hugh Nibley, on the timely and the timeless. Provo BYU Studies. Oh man, 1978 pages. 24 through 26. All right. Continuing on with our beloved Hugh Nibley, who weaves words of nonsense. Uh, Maybe, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired and I'm confused and I don't, I don't understand why Hugh Nibley, I don't, maybe he's a deeper level of understanding than I can understand. I don't know. It is hard in some of these associations to avoid hearing the name of Adam for that of Atub and indeed E. Lefrabrim noting how closely Atum rese- resembles Adam in his attribu- attributes and finding no philosoph- philo-lo- philological obstacles to equate equating the names asked why not identify him with the biblical Adam Um, Moore later pointed out that the first inhabitants of the first place on earth the anthropomorphic god Atumim had a name which was equated with Adam The name Atum signifies, according to Morit, both the creator and the collective sum of future beings. More recent studies have concluded that Atum means all-embracing, the sum of everything, Um, or uniting of... Many in one in combining all pre-existent beings in a single, a single, uh, I don't know what that word is. Arc, archetype. I
1: see.
0: Um, no, I'm, I'm just like struggling through all of this and I'm at 85%. Here, give it
1: to me, where am I at?
0: Well, my wife's gonna read now, which we know that our friend from California loves this part because she he loves it when when um when Kim reads because
1: he misses hearing her voice. Seriously, I didn't know that, and I'm sorry I haven't been on. Um, and I do have to go to work, so um I'll just read for a little bit, um for a minute, okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll hold that, you read. Okay. Um, where do you want me to start out right here? The uniting of
0: many in one.
1: Okay. The uniting of many in one of combining all pre existent beings in a single archetype, who thereby represents all beings hereafter. R. Anthus Z.A. 80, um, 86, 82, 1 through 8. What's J N E S?
0: I have no idea. It's too nibbly. He's ridiculous.
1: Okay. Mr. Scholar 18, himself. 18177. This suits with Joseph Smith's definition of the Adam in the pearl of great price. And the first man of all men have I called Adam, which is many. Moses, 134. What complicates the picture? Is that Adam? Is that supposed to be Adam? Atom. Atom. Okay. It's the Egyptian. Oh, it's the Egyptian. For Adam. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, so Atom, which is funny because I guess that. Is that Adam? Yes. Okay. <laughs> is also the creator. Um, also a bunch of things. Don't worry about <laughs>
0: the – I'm telling her to skip the references because nobody's going to check the references. If you want to know the references, the text is provided in a link in the description of the podcast or at Blog Talk Radio. Go ahead.
1: Kim. Okay. Um, specifically the creator of man. One, par excellence. The first hypostasis of the de-emerge at the time of the creation, the world of Ptah incarnate. Uh, Um, Goiden L. That's a reference. Sorry, that's a reference.
0: How do I make it so
1: that it's smaller? Can I do that? No. Okay. Uh, Yet, the breath of life comes from his mouth as well. In the breathing literature, the heart, which alone can give a man possession of eternal life, is Atum but only as a hypostasis... Hypothesis. No, it's hypostasis. Hypostasis. Of Ta. Uh. Who created man in the first place. Since this business of launching men into eternity must begin with a repetition of the creation, a new life, all the greatest creator gods are understandably present on the scene, as in the story of the four doomed prince, and deity not invited to contribute could cause real trouble when re comes down he is atum as well or as we have seen while Amon and ta together form the body of man and place breath in his body whose body that can be complicated too but the preferred candidate is atum by far the most human of the four i am ta i have opened thy mouth thy body is the body of atum eternally Thou arisest with the, thy father Atum the dead king is told thou art raised up with thy father Atum Atum as the rising and the setting of the sun or rising and setting sun re on the horizon re coming down Atom in the evening is necessarily the red sun as it passes between the upper and the lower worlds Atum wears the red crown as the king comes out of Buto red to <laughs> sure as the flame. <laughs> this certainly suggests that the well-known meaning of Adam as read in a coffin text, the initiate describes himself as vindicator of his father, Re at the dawn or Ie as Re-Atum. But specifically in my name of ADMW Admu where the Semitic ...form of the name with nominative ending is used. Ta is creator pure and simple, the great god of Memphis. He always retains that as his one mark and calling in the Shabako drama. It is Ta who does the creating, and the one whom he creates is Atam. Another reason for equating the latter with Adam, Ta of Memphis, is a very old creator god who made all things and begot Atam and the other gods... Um, it says I, Hugh Nibley. <laughs> so this is him referencing himself. No, I think that's
0: <laughs> the message of Joseph Smith Papyri and Egyptian Endowment. And that's pages 1 and 66. Oh, okay. I know it's hard.
1: Salt to... Lake City, Deseret Book County, and a whole bunch of numbers. Yeah. Uh, 1975. See the article for uh, numerous associated footnotes. CEO is
0: deseret book
1: company i know that you said, I said county oh i thought you said company sorry um let us consider um our adam what kind of being is he the same kind as ourselves but what is that he plays a surprising number of roles each with a different person or persona a different name a different environment a different office and calling he was a member of the presidency when the earth project was being discussed He was on the committee of the inspection that came down from time to time to check upon the operation. He then changed his name and nature to live upon the earth, but it was a very different earth from any that we know. It had to be a garden place specially prepared for him. When he left that paradise, he changed his nature again and for the first time began to reckon the passing of time by our measurements, becoming a short-lived creature subject to death. In this condition, he began to receive instructions from heavenly mentors on how to go about changing his condition and status, entering into a covenant that completely changed his mentality and way of life. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. When that which is natural became spiritual, that's in 1 Corinthians 15:45 through 46. Yeah. The man Adam passes from one state of being to another, and so do we. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we also we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. 1 Corinthians 15:49. And in time he died and became a spirit being of the head of all his spirit children in the waiting place, according to the common Christian tradition as well as our own. Then he became after Christ the first. Fruits of the resurrection and return triumphantly to his first and second estates to go on to glory and eternal lives. Hugh Nibley, again, Old Testament and Related Studies, edition by John W. Welch, Gary P. Gillum, and Don E. Norton, Salt Lake City and Provo, Deseret Company, Foundation for Ancient Re- Research Mormon Studies, 1986, farms. page 77. That's farms. Mark says. And one of our biggest stumbling blocks is not knowing how Adam relates to other beings, earthly and heavenly. That is the root of Adam God misunderstanding. Until we care to look into the matter seriously, I will keep my opinions in this in a low profile. Hugh Nibley, Old Testament and Related Studies, edited by John W. Welch, Gary P. Gillum, and Don E. Norton. Salt Lake City and Provo Deseret Book Company, Foundation, for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies in nineteen eighty six, page eighty two. And that is the conclusion of this.
0: Yeah, it's, it Sorry, wasn't it's fine. It. Um, this is all about also, Adam and Eve.
1: I was going to say, also, it's kind of strange, and I'm not sure that even what I was reading about, it's kind I of I know, weird.
0: it's hard. Reading Hugh <coughs> Nibley is difficult. He's a pain in my keister. Anyway, the next chapter, which who knows when I'll get to this, probably in four days, um, chapter 28, King and Priest. So it'll go into talking about being a king and a priest. And then I think the next chapter after that, I don't know. I don't have that ready. So anyway, well, um, thank you for listening to this program. Um, I should have made it into many parts, but uh, oh well. doing what I can do when I can do it. So anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this. Remember, you can read the text for yourself there will be a link in the description of the podcast. So please uh, share this with people who you think might be interested, and uh, we'll talk to you later. This is uh, Mark Walter and this is Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless, and goodbye.